romantic, low key, so sweet, mochi, ice cream, hot day, you me, hot day, bad chick, low key, so sweet, mochi, ice cream, hot day, you me, hot day, baby let's kick it like Bruce Lee, hop in the coupe with a roofie, everything good like it's groovy, look like a snack, I ain't talking no Scooby, you looking bad and you bougie, you throwing shade in your Gucci's, damn, I shot my shot like I'm Rui, now we be going to sushi, Baby, you is just too poppin', I don't see no other option Had me second that you walked in, highest bidder at the auction Will you please accept my offering? Swear I'm never really liked it Something about you I can ride with This shit got me all excited Never thought that I would find it I don't think that I can fight it But I don't think that I wanna Lay in bed, smoke marijuana We talkin' fuck till the sun up Baby, you know you a stunner You keep it hot like the summer As long as you keep it a hunter I'll feel your heart like a one-up Girl, you a kind of me one-up Bad chick Welcome back to the so podcast, sweet. everyone. Today I'm with a new guest on the podcast. I've actually met him a few times now at a the pop retreat, and most recently at an album release party, and very excited to learn more about his music career and him as a person, honestly. So, my guest today is All Day Trey. Hey, what's going on, NAS Podcast? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Let's get to it. So... You released an album in 2017 on SoundCloud. At least I saw it on SoundCloud called Pray for the Wave. And then you kind of took like a three-year hiatus. And you recently released a new project in May. And you had some callbacks to Pray for the Wave. So I was wondering during that three-year hiatus, was it a rebranding or were you just taking a step away from music for a bit? Um, I think when Pray for the Wave came out, it was a good project. I liked a lot of elements of it, and I thought I found certain aspects of my sound I really wanted to explore further, but I wasn't really ready at that point to get them going, and I wanted to make sure I didn't have any false steps. I've been making music a long time, and I've been taking the circle route where like some good things happen, and then I'm not able to build on top of that because I didn't know what I was doing next. So I wanted to stop making false steps and like step backs and figure out how to make the most progress possible with my music. So I just took a few years off, uh, worked on my mental health, worked on myself as an artist and really defined the sound I was going for. And you're from Spokane, correct? Yeah. Born in Spokane. So that's a, that's a small music scene, especially back in 2017, correct? Oh yeah. 2017, the music scene in Spokane was not nearly as uh, prominent as it is now, especially in hip hop. Like we've always had bands and things like that, but hip hop was not really respected for a long time until Jang popped up on the scene and just wrecked it. So Jang's definitely a big reason the music scene in Spokane is where it's at right now. Did he help you like restart your career or did you restart and then meet him along the way? Uh, me and Jang met opening up for Lil Dicky. Oh shit! He opened up for Lil Dicky. I opened up for Lil Dicky twice, but I think that was like the first time I maybe had seen Jang in passing at like some little local shows or something. But we'd never really chopped it up. Um, our first interaction where we actually had like a solid, memorable encounter was opening up for Lil Dicky on the same set. And was that in Spokane? That was in Spokane at the Knitting Factory. Yeah. What's the wait? What's the, what's the Knitting Factory? So the Knitting Factory is a chain of venues. They have a knitting factory in Denver and like maybe Wyoming and New York or something. But it's the premier mid-size to like it's 1500 person cap venue in Spokane. So people do come out to Spokane to, to tour. 
Yeah, we get a decent amount of touring acts. It's um, the second biggest city in Washington. You know what I'm saying? So if you already are in Seattle and you got an extra day on the tour, why not hit a market like so, Spokane? So you you opened for them in 2017 then? or like uh, Once in 2016 and once in 2017. So you, you made you made proje- progress. Like a lot of artists haven't been able to open for bigger artists like that or tour or anything like that, but you were able to actually open for like artists like Little Dicky. Yeah, Lil Dicky is definitely one of the bigger artists I've been able to open up for. When I was a freshman in college was probably my biggest opening I ever got to do. I won WSU SEB Spotlight, so basically like Battle of the Bands, and I got to open up for Mac Miller and E-40 at WSU Springfest, and that was sick. Holy shit. Yeah, that was like 2012, not to date myself, but 2012. <laughs> oh, God. So you've been making music for 10 plus years? Uh... Yeah, I've been making music since about 2011. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long road, man. So what made you get into music? Uh, I always wanted to be into music. My dad always um, played guitar and was really into metal. So I originally thought I was going to end up being a rock star. Figured out I can't play guitar and my voice is not very well suited for screaming. So we gave that up pretty quick. Um, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do with music for a long time. I just knew it was what I was passionate about. And then a good friend of mine got kicked out of his parents' house and was just, my mom's a really nice lady, so he was always at the crib. And he made hip-hop music. So I just used to sit in the room while he was making hip-hop music, write some little raps down, be like, hey, what if you spit this? And then one time he just had me get on the mic when I wrote something, and he kept it on the track, and I've been making music ever since. So how old were you when you started then? Uh, Probably like 16 or 17. Holy shit, that's pretty early for... Like, a lot of artists I know, at least, have started out of high school, honestly. Yeah. Um, it was crazy. The high school I went to, no one had ever, in their wildest dreams, been like, I'm going to be a rapper. It was very... It was not taken seriously when I was in high school. I also wasn't very good at that point in time. It's taken a long time to get my sound where it's at. So how do you do that if there's not a huge scene? Like, do you ask other artists who are still trying to make it in Spokane, like, what you're doing right? Or did you have to go online because here in Seattle we've had artists that have made it and there's like certain artists who are able to get like mentors whether they're producers or other artists that have been able to tour like Macklemore at the residency I don't think there's really anything like that in Spokane so how do you know if you were getting better or not I really didn't at first you know what I'm saying I knew that I had good stage presence and good energy and the music kind of came afterwards but I didn't really have anybody to look up to or take advice from so I was just doing my own thing for a long time with absolutely no direction so when like a you said WSU spotlight uh SEB spotlight yeah it's like their battle of the bands so when when you do that do people in Seattle even know anything about that like big things that happen in Spokane do are Seattle artists even aware of that no probably 100% not and WSU's in Pullman so that's even in a smaller market but Pullman's crazy and that's a that's a college is a good place to make music right like because you can throw events and then your classmates basically can go to those shows yeah no I had a lot of fun in college that was really where I started to come into myself as an artist was my freshman year of college because people there actually cared about what was going on and they paid attention and they wanted to show up and show love which was not my experience pre going to WSU so what did you go to college for? 
Um, I went to college for communication, and then I changed my degree to marketing, and then I dropped out and was like, fuck all that. I'm not here for it. Wait, wait, why'd you drop out? Um, I just got caught in a rut. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I was working really hard for this piece of paper, but I didn't really want to do any of the things I was going to school for. I just wanted to make music. So you knew by, like, 16 that music's something you wanted to do? Yeah, 100%. Um... I originally went to college to communications uh, to study broadcast journalism because I feel like I got a good voice to be a radio DJ host or something. This so, is all day trade. Yeah, or like... Let me hear Let me hear your best radio voice. For okay, like, I got to use my government for the one time because my government made me sound like I'm a sportscaster or something. But basically just like, and Trey Tucker with sports. No, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I definitely got like a good deep timber. But, um, and my parents named me well, so I thought the name had a nice flow to it. I was like, I don't even need a stage handle. And then I got to the end of my freshman year of college and I got to open up for Mac Miller. And at that time, I kind of noticed obviously that radio was kind of dying and the job openings and opportunities for people to work in that space were diminished extremely. So I changed my degree to marketing because I figured I could use that to market myself. That was the only reason I was really studying it at all, is so I could use it and apply it to push my music further. Were you able to use it? or? <laughs> um, I didn't really stick around long enough to get to use it. Like I definitely learned some great things um, that have helped me out a lot, but the college curriculum for marketing is just so outdated. Everything's so... Marketing's changing so much faster than the curriculum can keep up with. Oh, shit. So I've learned more marketing-wise just through experiences than I ever did in college. Do you think marketing classes teach like TikTok now then or? No, that's why I'm saying they're really, really far behind. Like they might be trying to <laughs> mention TikTok, but when I was in college, they were still talking about like TV ad campaigns and radio spots and print. And that was right when the internet was taken off and all the internet rappers were popping out of nowhere. You had like Dat Piff and. This is Dat Piff. I can't. I'm so bad at. Um voices but impressions <laughs> impressions i'm awful at impressions also i really only know how to sound like me <laughs> like me and my photographer Kay, we do really bad british accents around the house hello governor like hers is pretty all right mine is trash <laughs> let me hear it you know what i'm a little bit nervous bruv i don't know if i can do the accent on the podcast mostly because it's hot garbage i was talking to Riker at the the release party we went to yeah, and for she, I'm a dip in hot now. Yes. I'm a dip out now. Go stream that. Yes, sir. Shameless self-promotion. No, this is all about promotion, right? Promoting the person. My my take, my like a uh, my elevator pitch, right, is that I'm about promoting the person as well as their craft. So Okay, okay. I vibes <laughs> with that. But I was talking to Riker and she was saying the radio stations in Spokane, they're all syndicated. Not they're not syndicated themselves, like their their shows are going out to other places. Other places shows are syndicated in like Spokane, so Spokane doesn't even have its own like, nah. system. Yeah, there's not really a system in place for that. We don't have like our own KEXP even that people pay attention to and we don't have a cube or anything like that. So getting on the radio in Spokane is pretty difficult. So what are artists what do artists do then? If they wanna actually if they believe in themselves so deeply that they wanna like become some successful artist, but there's no radio stations, there's no scene. And it didn't seem like you really used to utilize the internet yet. 
So what were your goals and like how were you going to get out of Spokane back in 2017? In 2017, that was when I started branching out. I think I always knew that if I wanted to make it out of Spokane, I would have to tap in with Seattle. Like the 509 and the 206, the whole upper left definitely need to like come together and we need to bridge that gap to get out of the 509. Like there's no if ands, or buts about it. We just really don't have the infrastructure over there quite yet. Like it's getting better by the year, but it's taken a long time to even get to this point and we're still not where Seattle is as far as infrastructure goes. Yeah, it's weird because like Seattle's doing its thing, but also is like competing against each other. So then when like a Spokane's supposed to look at a Seattle for like, this is what we can do correctly, but like everyone just doesn't really know what to do because we don't really have like the industries or the radio stations. So it's like I was talking to the unemployed, it's unemployed, I keep calling them unemployment, but the unemployed group before you guys and they were saying it's usually up to like the fans and other people that aren't the artists to help build up the scene. But it seems like Washington, at least, the artists are the ones who have to build up the scene, which is kind of reversed. I think it goes back to that sentiment that a lot of people talk about on their come up that you get a lot more love out of town than when you're back home. Like when you're local, people see you as local. So you have to branch out of your market and get love in other markets. And then once you do that, people show you love back home. It's the most preposterous thing. So you're not like a, you're not a rebrand then. You're just No, we're up still all day straight. Um, we definitely switched up sonically a decent amount. Like right by me from Pray for the Wave, which is like my favorite song off that project, was my first step in this direction sonically. And I stumbled across something that I really enjoyed doing. And it just sounded indicatively me where I feel like earlier in a lot of my works, I was just making music that I wanted to sound a certain way or that I thought people would enjoy or turn up to. I used to make like straight up trap music, (laughs) for real. Um, I did this show with Nacho Picasso in Spokane. Shout out Nacho. Shout shout out Nacho, that's my guy. Um, But I brought Nacho out to Spokane and he'd never really heard my music before and he was like, oh, y'all really on some trap music stuff in Spokane. I had this song called Low Key and it was just all bass and just nonsense. I made a lot of party music early on in my artistry. So Was that because you were in college though, I'm guessing, right? Or It was just what was popular at the time. It's what I thought people would enjoy. I wasn't making the music for me. I was making the music for other people to have a good time too. And I wasn't putting that much me in the music. I was giving off a persona of what I thought hip hop was supposed to be. So what are you doing now that's different? Now I'm just putting an awful lot of me in the music. Like All Day Trey represents exactly what I want myself to represent. Whereas before it just represented whatever I thought people wanted to hear. Like I didn't have a strong foundation. And I just rapped about ignorant stuff mostly. But what do you want to represent? I want to represent A big thing of my music, um, like the whole Pray for the Wave concept, uh, a lot of my music focuses around like mental health and removing toxic people from your life and that kind of stuff. And it's got a strong message and it's got very relatable themes. I want people to be able to like listen to one of my songs and be like, dang, I feel like that all the time. It's great to know someone else feels the same way. Is there a reason why it's only on SoundCloud and not Spotify? Uh, Pray for the Wave was originally on all platforms. I took it down. I got like really discouraged because 
I dropped Pray for the Wave and it just didn't go the way I thought it was going to. And I just took a break from music and didn't want to pay for all the extra Spotify hosting. And then my new sound is so much different from a lot of the stuff on Pray for the Wave other than Right By Me that I just didn't want to leave it up for comparison on all platforms. And are you doing like more collaborative works now? Like you've connected with like Nikki Buell, which is you're older than him, and but you're also tapping into like that pop scene that's in Seattle, which I feel like is ne- one of the next scenes they're going to probably pop off in Seattle. And that's why it's important for me to like have pop artists on. And I feel like you kind of represent like a middle ground where it's like pop rap almost. Yeah, I'm here for the pop rap, 100%. I think that that's definitely an emerging genre and sound that's getting a lot of love. And if you look across the country, pop and hip hop are like best friends as far as genres go. Pop hip hop collabs are not a new thing. Mm. Um, but in the Northwest, you don't see a lot of them. Um, before I met Anna Thompson, I didn't even know Seattle had a pop scene. And how, how did you meet Anna Thompson? I met Anna Thompson. Uh, I worked production assistant on her music video for Dreams About Him. Uh, it was a Frick take. Justin Frick's honestly super integral. Oh, Justin in, Frick's dope. <laughs> he's so integral into introducing dope creatives to each other throughout the region. Like so many people mess with each other now just because of Justin. And is, is he well known in Spokane? Is like so that's how you met him? I'm guessing. Oh, Justin's the goat where we come from. Like, the man's just been putting out such quality work with such quality artists for such a long time that everyone pretty much knows at least a couple Justin Frick videos. Is like Anna and Nikki why you started coming out to Seattle then, or have you been coming out before for music? I first started coming out to Seattle for music. I met Malcolm Rebel. Malcolm was like the first person who invited me out to Seattle and said, hey, let's go record. We met, I was up here for like an underground party. It was a crazy party. You had to like call a phone number and then there was like a vocoded voice that was like, you have called the Ninja Hotline. Tonight's <laughs> underground festivity will take place at, and there was an address and then you just pulled up. But I met Malcolm at this crazy party and we just hit it off. And I think the week after that, I was opening up for Sam LeChow in Spokane. Um, it was my second time opening up for him. I met him playing a show at WSU that he was on. So, like, what made you stand out to other artists where it would open up for people? I just was really good at getting people to show up to concerts at first. Like, especially at, in Pullman, after I opened up for uh, that Spring Fest set with Mac Miller and E-40, Everybody just paid a lot of attention to me. And if I was like, hey, I'm playing a show, I could get people to pull up. So being able to have a draw in your market is a good way to get other artists to mess with you. You know what I'm saying? If you can pull up and be like, let me open the show, I'll bring 120 people. So what's the importance of like working with a Nikki Peel and an Anna Thompson? Is it because they're like a newer generation or is it because you understand the pop scene or is it a mix of everything? I think Nikki and Anna are stars off top. So just I am very privileged to be able to be in their circle and work with them. I think it's important for hip hop and pop in this region to help elevate each other. And working with Nikki specifically, it was my first opportunity coming out of the hip hop genre to work with another queer artist. I've never had the opportunity to work with another queer artist before. So that was really, really cool for me. And can we break down what queer means? Because I used to think it was like, it wasn't like a sl- slang word or like slander to call someone queer. And now like people 
use it as like part of the LGBTQ. Yeah, it's community. the Q, man. So the word queer is kind of, in my opinion, a blanket term for not straight. So you're wavy. Yeah, <laughs> just not straight. So um, it's kind of all encompassing. Like I'm pansexual, so you like pandas. Yeah, I like pandas <laughs> and cookware. That's it. Like, don't let me in your kitchen. <laughs> Oh my god! Wait, so how does someone find out that they're pansexual? Like, is that someone you could actually know when you're like a five year old, or is it? I mean, that's a very interesting question. I guess, really, like I didn't really know what pansexual was for a long time. So like I was just very confused about my sexuality and exactly how I felt. Like in the kitchen, or not in the kitchen? (laughs) We're back to being serious now. Yes, sir. But um, (laughs) like obviously societally. Um, I grew up dating pretty much females all the way throughout high school. I don't think you're supposed to say females anymore. I think that word got canceled. I don't know any how to say anything correctly. But I dated mostly women um, up until I graduated high school. And But I always thought, you know, certain energies uh, that came from male figures were, like, attractive to me. And that was very confusing for a long time. Um, was able to, you know, have those experiences in college now that I'm out of my little small town routine and then just being in hip-hop and hip-hop's traditionally kind of a homophobic space Mm. like it has not always been the most safe accepting space for everyone as far as all sexual orientations go that's been a pretty controversial topic so yeah i didn't come out for a long time i definitely knew that i was attracted to basically just whoever i'm attracted to like if I vibe with your energy. I'm attracted to you regardless of what you may be on the surface. So it's different than being bi. It's just. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen this show called Shit's Creek? I've heard of it. It's on Netflix. Right? So they, Yeah, it's on Netflix. They got a pansexual character in there and they have this metaphor that I think is really good. It's like some people only like red wine. Some people only like white wine. I care about like the wine, not the label. Mm. I don't really care what kind of wine it is. If I like the wine, I like the wine. Shouldn't that be? I feel like in the future that'll just be normal then. You know, because like, I feel like right now people are either gay or straight or whatever, and then like there's pushback from like older people or even younger people who grew up in like a certain family. And it's like, are you gay or are you straight? You know. But I feel like in the future, this is getting. A little wild here. But hey, this it's is, getting deep. This, this is, is something important stuff to talk about. I truly think, like in the future, like have you seen Total Recall? I've not seen Total Recall. You need to no. check out Total okay. Recall. Okay, I'll definitely. So pee. I feel like in the future, when we're all having like augmentations, and you can be whatever the fuck you actually want, like people will want to be furries, but like in the future, you can probably be a actual fucking wolf or something if you wanted. Right? That'd be wild. So I feel like at that point, we won't care like what you're attracted to. One hundred percent, and that's a really important part of why I decided to be more open about my own sexuality, just because I feel like, you know, queer representation has definitely been on the rise, but you see a lot of people who are gay and like lesbian, but, and you see a lot of girls who are bisexual or pansexual, but like bisexuality and pansexuality in men is Mm kind of still a taboo concept. You don't see people feeling comfortable being themselves in that space. So what did you say? Like, how did you come out? Was it like to friends, family, or just... Um, I actually came out to, so a lot of people I've dated obviously knew. So for a long time, it was just people I dated and like felt comfortable with enough to share that part of myself. They knew. 
And that was years, you know what I'm saying? Like five, six, seven years. And then 2020 happened and everything was insane. And I had just signed with Direct Influx on my development deal. So Riker had started managing me. And I think being in a position where my manager was like a strong gay black woman. And at the time we had another artist on our roster who came out as pansexual in a magazine interview. And I just thought that was so dope that he put himself out there to provide representation and it made me feel comfortable enough in the situation I was in to be like, you know what? I'm going to be 100% myself. 2020 has been crazy. Life's way too short. I don't need to spend any excess energy not being myself ever again. Jeez, that's a long time though. That must have been like stressful. Very stressful. It's a lot of weight on your shoulder hiding an entire part of yourself from so many people. Um, But yeah, I didn't tell... I told... Riker and the team before I told my parents just because it happened situationally and then my parents came to town like the next week they live in Tennessee Um, so I had to sit down talk with them my parents are super supportive Uh, my mom grew up Catholic so I was never like my mom's always been super supportive of all people like even though she's religious she is the kind of religious people that just show love to everybody, like the nicest possible human. So I knew my family would be supportive. So it wasn't really scary for me, like a lot of queer people coming out. I knew no matter what, my family would love me the same. So but that was cool. you're not religious then? I am not religious, no. And why is that? Um, I just don't subscribe to that channel, man. It just doesn't add up for me. I believe in karma. So like other, Karma knows or yeah, love that guy. Um, yeah, I go to the church of Karma knows. No, um, I just believe in karma. That's really all I believe in as far as spirituality goes. I think everything has energy. Um, obviously, as a pansexual person, I'm attracted to energies. I think everybody's got energy. I think energies are connected, and I believe in karma. And that's pretty much it. Is that like a common belief in like the LGBTQ LGBT? How do you even say it? LGBTQ plus? Did I nail it? You nailed it. There we go. I was gonna let you do it. But is is that like a common belief to not really be religious, or is it person I, to person? I or? think a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus community are not super religious, just because we grew up our entire lives with religious people saying we were gonna go to hell. You know what I'm saying? I think that really makes it hard to put a lot of stock into that. Because if you really believe it, a lot of people literally believe you're going to hell in that world. So I would rather not believe I'm going to hell just for being who I am. So that definitely had a large influence on me not really messing with that whole thing. Well, I think you're a good guy. I don't I don't hope I don't think you're going to go to hell. I got good karma, man. I'm telling you, I'm a nice person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about religion either, but I'm in Seattle. I feel like here in Seattle versus if you're on the East Coast, religion's way bigger. But here, because we're in like the upper left, people are more. Well, also you're in Spokane, so that might be a different story over there. But people are pretty. In, there's a lot of conservatives in Spokane for sure. Here in Seattle, we got a lot of people who like gems, and uh... we got that too. <laughs> we call them wooks. Wait, wait, what? Wooks? Wooks. What are? Okay, explain what a wook is. How to explain what a wook is? <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay, so wooks generally are not like. The most hygienic people. Okay. They have often have dreadlocks. They collect crystals and talk about energy and third eyes and are very spiritual. And they like to go out in the woods and camp and do drugs and go to festivals. So they're hippies. Wooks and hippies are a little different. Hippies are like light. Wooks are like just 
100% full send. They're like hippies times three. Interesting. So, Would you say that's accurate, everyone else? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's what a Wook is. Wait, do we have Wooks here in Seattle then? Oh, 100% you got Wooks in Seattle. Go to like a bus station and someone playing a guitar with like a face tattoo and like dreadlocks, that's a Wook. Wait, so, but Wooks have like jobs and stuff or are no. they, they're like homeless? I mean, Wooks aren't homeless. Wooks can like, you know. Or houseless, my bad. It's houseless now. Yeah, houseless. But no, Wooks can definitely have jobs and do all that type of stuff, but a lot of Wooks don't. I think we need a documentary behind this. I mean, NAS podcast, What is a Wook? is a pretty good <laughs> documentary. <laughs> there we go. So when I was talking to Nikki Buell, he said before he came out, he, <laughs> he said he tried to dress more manly so that people thought he was straight. Did you ever feel like you had to dress a certain way or have you always dressed like this? Like, And if, for people who are listening, he's got a pretty cool shirt, though, honestly. It's got, oh, the, the sunflowers are sad. Well, one of them's happy. Yeah. One of them, they're, they're, they're changing emotions. There's one that's nonchalant, just right in the middle. But he's got a cool shirt on and he's got his nails painted. So I was wondering if that's something you've always done or if, if that's a newer thing for you. Um, so definitely when I was younger, especially when I was in college, um, I was in a fraternity for a brief time. So I was overly bro because I didn't want anyone to look at me any other type of way. I wouldn't say I was a Chad, but I was at least, at least half a Chad for a little while trying to like, you know, cover up any part of myself that someone might have misconstrued as not straight. Um, I had a really bad experience when I first started rapping in high school. People would just like random. My rap name's always been All Day Trey. Haven't changed it since I was like 16. But people would chant like All Day Gay at me, and I was like, <laughs> at that point, I hadn't even done any gay stuff. I was like, what is happening here? Like, where is maybe, this coming from? Maybe it's from? the energy that you were talking about. Maybe it's the energy. I don't know. I also always just was very into doing my own thing. I'd wear like suit vests and jeans and dress shoes and fedoras and I, I really like Greg Lutzka the skateboarder. I basically just gr dressed like Greg Lutzka for a long time. You, you had fedoras though. Oh, I looked fedorable, man. I'm telling uh, you what. That's the corniest thing I'm going to say all interview, I hope. Fedorable. Fedorable. Mm-hmm. That's cool though. So you've always, were you an artsy kid then or did you do sports or? Uh, I did sports and I kind of stopped doing sports when I got more into music. I was a skater punk kid first and foremost. Skateboarding was my top priority until I was like 15, 16, and then I hurt myself. And then I was like, you know what? Skateboarding's really painful. Yeah, I'm let's get into this. Them. You actually you broke this down pretty deeply at the um, the release party. I was that was like crazy, like the the switch. So tell yeah. people your background in skateboarding. Then um, I used to skate competitively from the time I was like 13 to the time I was like 15 or 16. I'd go to comps all over the state, some in other states. I got some trophies and medals and stuff. I've won a couple best trick contests. Ooh. Yeah, I used to have some nasty tricks in the bag. I'm, but at that time I was like five four, and then I went from like five four to five eleven in a matter of like nine months, and I just <sighs> lost all coordination and uh, could not skate worth my oh, life shit. anymore so now you just snowboard or do you still, still I skate, still at skate. All? um i just don't be going big because if i like i broke my elbow two years ago skating and then i dislocated my knee a couple times last year skateboarding and with the music stuff going the way it is i don't have time to be out of the game like that so i still skate i have a good time i just don't push myself like i used to i stay pretty cautious so what music were you listening to when you were skating like i had um Del the Funky Homo Sapien on, who was huge in like the skating culture. Yeah, but I, I also, love Del. 
Um, I would say if I was skateboarding, what was in my headphones? Kid Cudi, first and foremost. Probably like Down and Out. That was my favorite Kid Cudi song back in the day. Um, lots of Mac Miller. Kids, Project, Piffsburg, High Life, all those early tapes. A lot of like pop punk music. Mm. Oh my God. You're going to, everyone has to listen to these next three interviews I've been, I'm going to be releasing because like I feel like there's a huge wave of pop punk like reemergence. So like I've been hearing the word pop punk. Well, I guess that's two words. Yeah, the words pop punk, pop. definitely. I've been hearing that a lot lately and I feel like. I had actually had to do it on an episode yesterday on my other podcast about it because there's a huge reemergence of it. So that's cool that you're actually getting into the pop scene and yeah, one hundred percent. Pop punk was all the rage when I was growing up. You had bands like Blink One Eighty Two, and we could throw Green Day in that category, and Good Charlotte, and Yellow Card. I love Yellow Card. I'm not ashamed to admit it. If Ocean Avenue come on, I'm going to <laughs> act up. There we go. So what are your goals now that you're back into music after Actually, before we get into that, tell people what happened right before you were about to release your project. Because you were about to release it, and then COVID happened, so you had to push it back. And Yeah, no. This last project, Stay Afloat, it's really funny because with a name like Stay Afloat and the year everybody had in 2020, you would assume that I made all that music and came up with that concept during COVID when the entire world was just trying to keep their head above water. It's not the case. I had it all done the year before, and it was almost like I was writing for myself in the future because I really needed some of those songs uh, the following year, and I really needed help staying afloat. Like, pandemic was not easy for anybody, but especially those in the creative scene. You just had your entire livelihood and everything you love just taken away from you. Like, we were fucking, me, you, and Django when we were at the digital studio talking with Wands about that fucking, that music union and there's chapters like i feel like we don't as as like the hip-hop community i don't feel like they know much about the yeah wands definitely was a super cool dude really great meeting him and a very informative experience i love anyone that i can sit there and have a conversation with that can give me game i don't already have and that man was a plethora of game but going back to your question we were all set to drop in april of 2020 i had like a couple smaller festivals book i had some shows on the calendar and i hadn't played anything in three years so i was so excited and all ready to drop all this music after not doing anything for three years and then the way the landscape was with all the hard work and like time and energy and money i put into the project i just didn't want to waste it dropping it when i can't do anything with it so me and my manager had some words about it. I was really not trying to push back at first because I wanted to drop so bad. But it was just me coming from an emotional place of wanting to drop music because I wanted to like feel relevant as an artist after not dropping for so long. But I'm really glad we waited. And have you kept the fan base and built a new fan base since then? Like, Have you gone about marketing differently now? Yeah, I think we definitely have done a great job building upon the base I had. Like, Even though I took such a long break, Everybody I know that had listened to my music and fans and people who have came to any of my shows back in the day, they're still all tapped in. So I thought that was really, really cool that people still cared after the long break and came back the way they did. Yeah, I think you're doing it at the right time. I know COVID messed up a lot of people's schedules, but I'm once again, I'm just, shout out to this pop community. It's like 
you chose the right community to dive back into music with. Yeah, I'm really enjoying getting tapped into that scene. There's so many talented creatives. Like at that pop retreat, I'd never heard of Tiger Lily before. Really? Fire. Like as soon as she sang when she pulled up on the night sessions, I was like, dang. And then we got Anna Thompson, who's just ridiculous. Everyone who performed there was fantastic. Uh, Tylea kills. Oh, yeah. What was that? I forget that one song? She has that one song that's super catchy. Do you want to get to know me? me? Yes. Yeah, I'd be bopping that. That's on the playlist for sure. <laughs> and then even yeah, Django even showed up and it was a pop thing. That was cool. That so do you guys talk about like the music that's emerging right now and like how pop and rap are kind of intertwined now? Or yeah, definitely, it's something we talk about. Like I said, pop hip hop collaborations are not a new thing. They've right. been going on for a long time, but in this region, I'm starting to see more of it. For example, I just saw Tiger Lily did a song with Sam LeChow. Yes. That's going to be a heater. I'm really excited for that. Very true. So what are your goals now for 2021? It's almost 20. Holy shit. 2021 really flew by. 2022 now. Almost. Uh, for 2021, uh, my main goal is just to keep on top of my stuff and put myself in a position to elevate my music by the time 2022 rolls around. I've been doing a lot of creating lately and just figuring out exactly what I want my next move to be. I really enjoyed I'm a Dip and I think that was a good follow up to the project. I think that was a great move. Me and Nikki killed that. Once again, go stream I'm a Dip. It's on all platforms. It's great. Yes, sir. But I thought I'm a Dip was a really good move and I wanted to follow that song with another feature and We've been trying to lock in some pretty cool features. So we got a couple that I should be getting back like any time now. And when they come out, you're going to be like, dang, that's that's a good call, Trey. Hell yeah. But yeah, so elevating uh, my artistry as far as collaborating with very, very serious musicians who are already in places I want to be. Um, so my goal is definitely to get out there and collab more. And... Other than that, I just really want to solidify where I want to go sonically for my next project. I've been vibing on a lot of like bounce records lately, like just something with like a good vibe, bouncy, you can bob your head to, and that I can still deliver the message I want to across. Yes, sir. What is some advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Advice number one, don't rush yourself. I rushed myself for such a long time because I just saw where I wanted to be and where I was. And I just wanted to get there as quickly as possible. And that's not how it works. You have to like be very meticulous and thought out with your moves. You can't skip steps. It's like a staircase. So you just got to go one step at a time and be very meticulous and plot out all your moves and make sure you're building upon each one. So don't rush yourself. Take your time. Yeah, that's number one. Number two, branding's a real thing. You got to solidify a brand. Because at the end of the day, we're in the music business. Businesses sell things. And if you can't, if you don't have a solid brand, it's going to be really, really hard for you to make any money in this game. Or you definitely won't make money at all. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, branding, branding, branding. Music is, music's not just releasing music and becoming successful. Like, you definitely need a brand, so... Shout out to Brandon. <laughs> Shout out to Branding or Brandon. What's the easiest way for people to reach All Day Trey? 
I would say the easiest way to reach me is you can find me on Instagram at the all day Trey, or you can tap into me on anywhere music is and go peep out music, all streaming platforms, YouTube. I got a couple great Justin Frick videos on my YouTube for Mochi and Float, some of my favorite songs. So I highly recommend checking those out. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I think Facebook's just all day Trey, but everything else is the all day Trey. Hell yeah. This is the NAS podcast with... All day trade.